Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhi mustafa. Khususan ala Sayyidi Rasuli wa Khatamil Anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. In our previous class, we discussed the story of Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam. The focus was on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an said regarding this father and son that these were two people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored greatly. وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا دَاوُدَ وَسُلَيْمَانَ عِلْمًا وَقَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي فَضَّلَنَا عَلَىٰ كَثِيرٍ مِّنْ عِبَادِهِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And we covered some of the special favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showered on His beloved Prophet Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam. I mentioned at the end of our last class that whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives someone a favor, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always test that person as well. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With every bounty comes a responsibility. With every responsibility, there comes accountability. Your children are a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they come with a responsibility. And for that responsibility, you will be accountable with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a job. You have wealth that you're bringing home every day, every month. That's a great blessing. But with that wealth, there comes a responsibility. And there will be accountability for that responsibility. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very eloquently states in the Qur'an. ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ that very surely on that day, on the Day of Judgment, you will be asked regarding your bounties. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you live your life? Tell me about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He gives someone more, there's more accountability. Therefore, in one hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the people who are wealthy in this world, they will hope in the akhirah, in the hereafter, that they had no wealth in this world. Because they will realize that now they have to face the IRS. And the IRS in the world is nothing in comparison to the questioning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that um, whoever is held accountable in front of Allah on the day of judgment, halaka, he will be destroyed. Whoever is held accountable on the day of judgment, that person will be destroyed. So one companion said, but what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the Qur'an? فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا yasira." That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will account people in a very easy, easy-going fashion. So to that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, al-hisab. That verse is talking about simply presenting the deeds. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after He brings a person's deeds forward and their deeds are presented to Allah, if Allah says open the books, then that person's in trouble. So there's two things here. One is the arv, the other is the, the hisab. So, 
The Prophet ﷺ reminds us that those who have more, it's a blessing of Allah. There's so much more you can do with that more that you have. If you need two pairs of clothes, but you have 20, you know, you're accountable for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the extra, you know, 17, 18 pairs of clothes you have. If you only need three pairs of shoes and you have 20, you're accountable for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the extra. Someone has five bedrooms in their home when in reality they only need three bedrooms, there will be a questioning regarding that extra two bedrooms. And for people who have reason and purpose, they'll have an answer. Yeah, Allah, I had the extra bedroom for my parents. I had the extra bedroom for you know, visitors. But if it was just a waste, then that's also something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask about. Now we come to Sayyidina Sulaiman salam here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored Sulaiman salam greatly with so much. As I mentioned in our last class, the wind was under his command. The jinn were under his command. He was able to communicate with more than one species. Sulaiman salam's armies would travel the world. His jinn would go and bring rivers of copper that was melted so he can make strong structures out of it. I mean, he was very magnificent and very great. Now the test comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some of these tests in Surah Sal. In verse number 31, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of one of the tests that he inflicted upon Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? عُرِضَ عَلَيْهِ بِالْعَشِيِّ الصَّافِيَاتُ الْجِيَادِ فَقَالَ إِنِّي أَحْبَبْتُ حُبَّ الْخَيْرِ عَنْ ذِكْرِ رَبِّي حَتَّى تَوَارَتْ بِالْحِجَابِ رُدُّهَا عَلَيْهِ فَتَفِقَ مَسْحًا بِالسُّوقِ وَالْأَعْنَاتِ These are the three verses. Verse 31, verse 32, verse 33 of surah number 38 or surah Sad. I'll read the translation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذْ and mention, عُرِضَ عَلَيْهِ when the um, when there were exhibited before him in the afternoon the standing racehorses they were all lined up they were all lined up these racehorses jihad are like the best of horses the fastest, the strongest horses they were all lined up in front of Sayyidina Sulaiman Sulaiman stood there adoring them like a person does when they go to a car show you guys ever been to the Detroit car show or the Chicago car show? You go there and next thing you know, eight hours have passed by, seven hours have passed by. These convention halls are very interesting. In particular when it comes to bazaars and stores. Places like Walmart never want a window in the wall because they want you to lose track of time. You know, uh, a, a mall doesn't want windows. Stores don't want windows in their, in their stores because they want you to lose track of time. When you go to these convention centers, they have no windows there. It's by design. Uh, it's because they want you to lose track of time. You don't know. They want you to forget how long you've been sitting there. And this is what happened to Sayyidina Sulaiman He was adoring these horses in front of him. And what happened? Prayer time passed by. The sun set. He was supposed to engage in salah. His salah time passed by. Now, when the moment passed by and the sun was gone, at that point, Sulaiman said, فَقَالَ He said, إِنِّي أَحْبَبْتُ حُبَّ الْخَيْلِ عَنْ ذِكْرِ رَبِّي حَتَّى تَوَارَتْ بِالْحِجَابِ I have given preference to the love of good things, meaning the horses, over the remembrance of Allah until the sun disappeared into the curtain, meaning into darkness. The sun disappeared, I missed my prayer time. So what did Sulaiman do? رُدُّهَا عَلَيْهِ He said, return them to me. فَطَفِقَ مَسْحًا بِالسُّوقِ وَالْأَعْنَاقِ And he went about striking their legs and their necks. So this is the uh, the, 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 narr- the, the verses of the Qur'an. What do these verses mean? What actually happened? 
Why was Sulaiman with these horses? What were these horses for? What did Sulaiman do to these horses? Did he punish the horses? The horses were innocent. He's the one that spent so much time looking at them. Why did he kill the horses? If that's how you're going to translate, that he struck the horses, why was he punishing them? Why was he killing them? These are all very important questions that revolve around this incident. So it's important to know that what happened regarding these, the, these horses, there are two narrations we find from the companions. There's one narration from Ali radiallahu anh, and the other is from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Ali radiallahu anh's narration is the more common one because of scholars like Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi and others adopting it. According to his narration, he says what happened was, Sulaiman alayhi salam was preparing to go for jihad. He was preparing to go for war. And Mujahid and Al-Kalbi, they say, Ghaza Sulaiman ahla Dimashq wa Nisibain. That Sulaiman alayhi salam was going to the people of Damascus in Nisibain. Um, and, sorry, they, this discussion is regarding where do these horses come from? Where do these horses come from? So regarding that, Al-Kalbi says that Sulaiman salam waged war against the people of Dimashq and Nasibain فَأَصَابَ مِنْهُمْ أَلْفَ فَرَسٍ He acquired from them 1,000 horses and these are the horses that he was talking about. Muqatil says, وَرِثَ سُلَيْمَانُ مِنْ أَبِيهِ دَاوُدَ أَلْفَ فَرَسٍ That these horses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about were horses that Sulaiman salam inherited from his father Sayyidina Dawood salam. وَكَانَ أَبُوهُ أَصَابَهَا مِنَ الْعَمَالِقَةِ And his father acquired these thousand unique beautiful horses from the Amalika, from, from Jalut and his people. And they were breeded from that generation of horses. Now Sulaiman was known for his jihad. And if, there, if he was ever told that there was a need to go somewhere for war, his horses would be ready and he would march. He was getting ready to travel somewhere. The horses were brought in front of him. According to the narration of Ali radiallahu an, he stood there and started adoring the horses. Sulaiman being a general, being a leader, a king of his time, he understood the delicacy of horses. He understood the nuance of horses, the lineage of horses, the muscles of horses, the colors of horses. He understood everything about horses that you and I may know about cars, for example. You know how we know a lot about cars? He knew a lot about horses. So he stood there looking at these these. these beautiful, pristine horses, and as he was standing there and adoring them, Asr time passed by. Now, these horses ended up becoming a distraction from his salah. Therefore, Sulaiman was very, very upset. And the one thing that distracted him, the, the thing that he loved very dearly, his horses, he wanted to make sure he sacrificed them, proving to Allah, Ya Allah, Anything that distracts me from you, I will sacrifice it, remove it. It can't be a part of my life anymore. Do you guys understand that? This is the first interpretation of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu Now Ibn Abbas radiallahu he gives a different explanation. He says that same story. Sulaiman salam was in front of his horses. He was looking at them. He was enjoying them. Now he says... What happened was Sulaiman was looking at these horses, he was enjoying them, and while he was looking at them, he started thinking to himself, man, look how lucky I am that Allah gave me these horses. Allah gave them to me, how lucky am I? He was reflecting over that thought, and it was in that thought that the horses were taken back to their stables and he didn't even realize. He was so lost in the thought of thanking Allah for these horses, that they took the horses back, he didn't even realize. 
when he kind of came back to his senses, he said, where are the horses gone? They said, we took them back to the horses. He says here that Tawarat ibn Abbas says, the horses were taken away. Not that the sun set, because Tawarat bil hijab means until they were veiled with a veil, until they went missing with a veil. So either that can mean either the sun went missing into the night, the sun was veiled, or it can mean the horses were taken away and they were veiled. This is the, the, the difference in their interpretation. Ibn Abbas says it's the second one. The horses were veiled because they were taken away. Rudduha alayhi, Sulaiman said, bring them back, I wasn't done looking at them. Those horses were brought back. Fatafiqa mashan. Mashan, according to the narration of Ali means he chopped their necks and legs off. And according to the narration of Ibn Abbas, it means he tapped them. You know when a person, when they go to a horse and they're really excited, they kind of give it a little strike on the neck and they tap it, they pat it. So he went around patting the neck and the legs of the horses because this is where the strength is. The strength is in the upper body and the strength is in the lower body. So he started examining the horses and touching them out of excitement. So according to one narration of Ali radiallahu um, Sulaiman was distracted by them and missed salah. According to Ibn Abbas narration, he did not miss any salah. According to the narration of Ali, the sun was what went into hiding. According to Ibn Abbas narration, the horses were taken back to their stables. According to Ali narration, as a punishment upon himself, Sulaiman sacrificed the horses because they were the distraction. According to the narration of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu an, he didn't strike or kill any horse, he actually went and patted them. فَتَفِيقَ مَسْحَمْ بِالسُّوْخِ وَالْعَنَا Because مَسْحَكِ mean to touch. The, and these are two companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. On one side you have Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi, who obviously gave preference to the position of Ali radiallahu an, and many of the salaf from the Mufassirun gave preference to that position. And on the other hand you have the likes of Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi and others, who gave preference to Ibn Abbas radiallahu an's uh, tafsir on this ayah, because they found it to be much more easier. In this case you don't have to claim that any prophet missed any salah. In this case you don't have to claim that any animals died. Right? And it seems to be more in line with you know, their understanding and our understanding of the temperament and, 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 and tolerance the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had. So this is a point of, dis- uh, of discussion amongst the Mufassirun and we've covered that um, today for our class as well. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests Sulaiman salam again. Allah favored him a lot, but there were a lot of tests that followed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, again in Surah Sad, Verse number 34. So I just, we just covered 31, 32, 33. Now in 34, 35, and 36. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 34 of Surah Sa'ad, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّا سُلَيْمَانِ وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّا سُلَيْمَانِ Indeed, we tested, we tried Sulaiman. وَأَلْقَيْنَا عَلَىٰ كُرْسِيِّهِ جَسَدًا And we dropped and placed on his throne a body. A body appeared on the throne of Sulaiman Allah, that's all he says. Indeed, we tested Sulaiman, and there was a body placed on the, on the throne of Sulaiman, so he repented back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what exactly happened here? There are many interpretations of this incident. There are many interpretations that can also be acquired from the Jewish tradition on what this these statements are actually talking about because they have narratives that line up to what this verse of the Qur'an is also talking about. But keep in mind that we don't mind investigating in what Jewish traditions have to say about prophets 
as long as it does not contradict what our universal belief is regarding the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If there is a Jewish tradition regarding a prophet and that tradition disrespects any of our prophets, we won't accept that narration. We will not allow anyone to be disrespectful. We will not tolerate any blasphemy to any of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what exactly happened here? There are multiple narrations and I'm going to cover them one by one. Okay, so pay attention. Narration number one. قَالُوا إِنَّ سُلَيْمَانَ بَلَغَهُ خَبْرُ مَدِينَةٍ فِي الْبَحْرِ فَخَرَجَ إِلَيْهَا بِجَنُودِهِ تَحْمِلُهُ الرِّيحُ فَأَخَذَهَا وَقَتَلَ مَلِكَهَا First story, what happened? Sulaiman alayhi salam heard that there was a people who lived on some island and Sulaiman alayhi salam was informed uh, that these people were there and you know, whatever the case was. So he gathered his army, he marched against those people, there was a war that occurred as a result of which Sulaiman salam was victorious. وَقَتَلَ مَلِكَهَا And the king of that place was killed. وَأَخَذَ بِنْتًا لَهُ إِسْمُهَا جَرَادَ Sulaiman salam then captured the daughter of this king, the princess. Her name was Jarada. مِنْ أَحْسَنِ النَّاسِ وَجْهًا She was a very beautiful lady. فَاسْتَفَاهَا لِنَفْسِهِ This narration claims, Sulaiman salam chose her for himself. وَأَسْلَمَتْ She became Muslim. فَأَحَبَّهَا Sulaiman salam loved her very dearly. وَكَانَتْ تَبْكِي أَبَدًا عَلَىٰ أَبِيهَا However, even though she was now married to Sulaiman and she loved him, she always cried over the loss of her father because her father was killed by who? Sulaiman Sulaiman instructed, this narration supposes, Sulaiman instructed, and a sculpture or some sort of an image was made of her father. وَكَانَتْ تَذْهَبُ إِلَىٰ تِلْكَ السُّورَةِ بُكْرَةً وَعَشِيَّةً مَعَ جَوَارِهَا This lady, this wife of Sulaiman salam, she would go to this sculpture or this image of her father every morning and evening with her maids. Yes, جُدْنَ لَهَا They would prostrate in front of it. They would do sajda in front of it. فَأَخْبَرَ آصِفُ سُلَيْمَانِ One of Sulaiman salam's servants told him that this was happening. فَكَسَرَ السُّورَةِ He broke that image immediately. وَعَقْبَ الْإِمْرَةِ And purchased, uh, sorry, and punished uh, his spouse. ثُمَّ خَرَجَ وَحْدَهُ إِلَىٰ فُلَاتٍ He then went out alone to an open land. وَفَرَشَ الرِّمَادِ فَجَلَسَ عَلَيْهِ تَائِبًا إِلَى اللَّهِ He then turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and cried and cried and cried. Ya Allah, what mistake did I make? Ya Allah, what mistake did I make? Now, as a result of this, these scholars, they claim, these people, they claim there was another incident that happened. So these are two independent incidents, but at the end they tie in together. So pay attention. That Sulaiman whenever he would go for relieving himself to the bathroom, or if he was going to be intimate with one of his spouses, he would take his ring off and give it to someone to hold on. It was a lady. He told her, you would be responsible of watching over this ring. Now keep in mind, in Jewish tradition, there's a heavy emphasis on believing that Sulaiman had control over all of this kingdom and all of these unique uh, things like the jinn and the wind because of what? Because of his ring. This is their tradition, right? That Sulaiman had control over all of this. Why? Because of his ring. As Muslims, what do we say? 
Was it because of his ring? So if he didn't have the ring, what would happen? I mean, he probably wouldn't look as bling, but it wouldn't affect what he was doing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't lock a person's taqdeer to a ring. That's not the doing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But nonetheless, this tradition claims that Sulaiman salam left his ring. They say that his entire kingdom was attached to his, his ring. One day, Sulaiman salam left this ring with that lady. He went maybe to relieve himself or to be intimate with his spouse. Shaitan came. Ala surati Sulaiman. In the face of Sulaiman alayhi salam. He sought the ring from her. She gave him the ring. Wajarasa ala kursi Sulaiman. He then sat on the, on the, on the throne of Sulaiman. All of Sulaiman alayhi kingdom now became his. Sulaiman alayhi salam. The real Sulaiman alayhi salam. What a story, man. It sounds like a cartoon. The real Sulaiman alayhi salam. Astaghfirullah. I feel bad even saying this stuff. The real Sulaiman alayhi salam came to the lady and said, Where's my ring? She said, Which ring? I don't know who you are. She refused to give it to him. This Sulaiman, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. He went to the houses, went to the people. Sulaiman alayhi salam went to the people. And he went to all of the people asking, you know, can someone help me? I'm Sulaiman. The hafu alayhi wasabuhu. People started throwing soil at him and started cursing at him. That you're not Sulaiman. Sulaiman is that one. And they, they were pointing at the shaitan and saying that is Sulaiman. So what did the Sulaiman alayhi salam do? He started working at the, at the harbor with fishermen. Sulaiman started working at the harbor with fishermen. He would transport fish for them. As compensation, they would give Sulaiman two fishes every day. He remained in this state for how many, how many days? 40 days. The same number of days that his wife worshipped that picture in his house. You see how the two got connected now? The same number of days that he, astaghfirullah, I'm just using the language that's being proposed. Uh, I'm using language to explain what's being proposed. The same number of days that he enabled his wife to do shirk was the number of days he was tested by Allah. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. But this is the claim. فَأَنْكَرَ آسِفَ وَعُلَمَاءُ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ حُكْمَ الشَّيْطَانِ There were some people in Sulaiman alayhi kingdom that realized that this wasn't shaitan, this wasn't Sulaiman alayhi the person sitting on the throne was shaitan. They kind of clicked on. So, immediately, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that shaitan, uh, he ran away from the people of Sulaiman because there was a rebellion against him. And وَقَذَفَ الْخَاتَمْ فِي الْبَحْرِ Shaitan took this ring and he threw it in the ocean. فَابْتَلَعَتْهُ samaka. There was a fish that swallowed this ring. وَوَقَعَتِ السَّمَكَةُ فِي يَدِ سُلَيْمَانِ And Sulaiman caught that fish somehow. He was granted two fish every day as compensation. So the day that he took his compensation, the fish that he got was the one with the ring in his stomach. 
بِهِ He came home, he cut the fish open, the ring was in there, he put the ring on. He went into sajda, ثُمَّ anab. He repented back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of his kingdom returned. This sounds like some kind of Disney movie, by the way. The whole story, if you look at it, it sounds like a Disney movie. Astaghfirullah wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. After narrating this entire incident, by the way, Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi, after narrating this incident, he does a strong rad against it. A very powerful uh, rebuttal to it. Can I share a few of the points that he mentions? He says, He says, Al-awwalu, the first argument against this, أَنَّ الشَّيْطَانُ لَوْ قَدَرَ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَتَشَبَّهَ بِالسُّورَةِ وَالْخِلْقَةِ بِالْأَنْبِيَاءِ فَحِينَئِذٍ لَا يَبْقَىٰ اِعْتِمَادٌ عَلَىٰ شَيْءٍ مِّنَ الشَّرَائِعِ That if it was possible that shaitan can take the form of a prophet, then how can we ever trust anything a prophet says because that could be a shaitan? The whole premise of our deen collapses. Do you guys understand this? Nabi wasallam said, whoever sees me in a dream has seen me because shaitan cannot take my form. مَنْ رَآنِي فِي الْمَنَامِ فَقَدْ رَآنِي فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ لَا يَتَمَثَّلُ بِي This is a very powerful point that Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi brings. The second thing. He says, لَوْ أَنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَوْ قَدَرَ أَنْ يُعَامِلَ نَبِيَّ اللَّهِ سُلَيْمَانِ بِمِثْلِ هَذِهِ الْمُعَامَلَةِ لَوَجَبَ أَنْ يَقْدِرَ عَلَىٰ مِثْلِهَا مَا عَجَمِينَ الْعُلَمَاءِ وَالزُّهَاتِ فَحِينَئِذٍ وَجَبَ أَنْ يَقْتُلَهُمْ أَوْ يُمَزِّقَ التَّصَانِيفَهُمْ أَوْ يُخَرِّبَ دِيَارَهُمْ وَلَمَّا بَطَلَ ذَلِكَ فِي حَقِّ أَحَادِ الْعُلَمَاءِ فَلَأَنْ يَبْطُلَ مِثْلُهُ فِي حَقِّ أَكَابِرِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ أَوْلَىٰ he says that if Sulaiman was able to make such a joke, if Shaitan was able to make such a joke of Sulaiman take his kingdom from him, take his honor from him, that means Shaitan can do this with everyone. And if he can do this, go and steal their life and steal their family and imitate them and push them you know, out, of, uh, out of existence, then we wouldn't have a single book of hadith because Shaitan would have done this with every muhadith. He would have done this with every scholar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly said to shaitan, in the Qur'an, Shaitan himself admitted that, Ya Allah, I won't be able to affect your sincere servants. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects ulama from shaitan because of their sincerity, what about the Prophet Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam? This is the second argument he makes. The third argument he says, وَالثَّالِقُ كَيْفَ يَلِيقُ بِحِكْمَةِ اللَّهِ وَإِحْسَانِهِ أَن يُصَلِّتَ الشَّيْطَانَ عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِ الْسُلَيْمَانِ Shaitan was able to imitate Sulaiman that means he also must have been intimate with the wives of Sulaiman How could Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow Shaitan to take control over the wives of his Prophet? Do you guys, are you guys following the arguments? This is another argument he brings. Wala shakka annahu qabih. Naturally, this is a very inappropriate thought. The fourth thing he says. لَوْ قُلْنَا إِنَّ سُلَيْمَانَ أَذِنَ لِتِلْكَ الْمَرْأَةِ فِي عِبَادَةِ تِلْكَ السُّورَةِ فَهَذَا كُفْرٌ مِّنْ The whole story, the premise of it is that Sulaiman allowed kufr to happen. Do you guys understand that? Yes, no? So he says, number one, if Sulaiman told this lady to bow down in front of the picture, or that image, whatever she was bowing in front of, then that means Sulaiman's act itself is kufr. How can you attribute kufr to a prophet of Allah? Do you guys, you guys understand that first thought? He then says, وَإِلَّمْ يَأْذَنْ فِيهِ الْبَتَّةَ 
And obviously Sulaiman didn't tell her to prostrate in front of any pitcher. Then if Sulaiman didn't tell her to do it and she did do it, then who should have got the punishment? Sulaiman or her? Go ahead guys. Her naturally, right? If he, if he told her to do it, that means that's kufr from Sulaiman and we can never say that about a prophet. But if Sulaiman didn't tell her to do it and she did it anyway, then whose punishment should it be? His or hers? It should be hers. Which again, he says, Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi says, the whole statement is, is illogical and makes no sense at all. So these are some explanations. Now, if that's not what happened, then what actually did happen? Some scholars, they say, Again, this is also some Israeliyat, Israeliyat, they quote these narrations, they say that Sulaiman neglected his responsibility as a Qadi. He stopped judging amongst people. He went on holiday, he stopped answering his phone, he was just eating chocolate all day. You know, this is the image they gave of Sulaiman Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him. The most common interpretation of this statement that is accepted by the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is the following. And the Prophet the Prophet said, Who said this statement? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Today I will be intimate with all of my spouses. Now Sulaiman and Dawud according to the Muslim, Jewish and Christian tradition, had many wives. That's something Muslim, it's accepted. These prophets had how many wives? Many wives. Just like our prophet had 10 wives, they had many wives too. Why did they have so many wives? Before someone thinks that these prophets were perverted, first of all, having a spouse doesn't make you perverted. I mean, perversion is usually when you have inappropriate activity outside of marriage. Once it's in marriage, that's not considered to be perversion anymore. But in addition to that, these prophets, they're kingdoms were so massive and it was very common practice that they would marry into the places they conquered to establish stability there and dominance there. This is a very common practice. Practice till just a few hundred years back as of recent. You know? So Sulaiman he took an oath, he said that I will be intimate with all of my wives. And the narration mentions, he said the number 70. What number did he say? Sab'een. Sab'een means? 70. Okay. وَتَأْتِي بِفَارِسٍ يُجَاهِدُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Sulaiman said, And every one of my wives will become pregnant, they will give birth, and they will give birth to soldiers who will fight in the path of Allah. This was Sulaiman intention. Nabi says, وَلَمْ يَقُلْ إِنشَاءَ اللَّهِ He made this beautiful intention, but he forgot to say, Allah. فَطَافَ عَلَيْهِنَّ He was intimate with all of them. فَلَمْ تَحْمِلْ إِلَّا إِمْرَأَةٌ وَاحِدًا Only one of them became pregnant. وَجَاءَتْ بِشِقِّ رَجُلٍ فَجِئَ بِهِ عَلَى كُرْسِيَّةٍ She only gave birth to, and when she gave birth to a child, she was pregnant when she gave birth to a child, she gave birth to a portion of a child only. The child, only a part of it was born. She then took this body and came to Sulaiman the small dead fetus, the baby, and she presented it to Sulaiman while he was sitting on the throne, or she came and placed it on Sulaiman throne. So when Sulaiman came, he saw the body there. We tested Sulaiman and we placed upon his throne a body. 
The scholars that say this body is referring to the body of his, his own child. ثُمَّ أَنَاب He turned to Allah and asked Allah for forgiveness. Because it may have been for a moment, Sulaiman thought he was in control and he was the one that chose how many children he would have. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds him that you're not in control. No matter how much kingdom you have, no matter the jinn, what they do for you, and the winds, what they do for you, the one that's in control is who? Who is it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then Sulaiman immediately repents to Allah and he says, وَقَالَ رَبِّ اغْفِرْ لِي وَهَبْ لِي O my Lord, forgive me and grant to me مُلْكًا لَا يَنْبَغِي لِأَحَدٍ مِنْ بَعْدِي A kingdom such as will not belong to anyone after me. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ Indeed, you are one who gives. Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi while commentating on this verse, he says, فُتِنَ سُلَيْمَانُ بَعْدَ مَا مَلَكَ عِشْرِينَ سَنَةً Sulaiman was tested by Allah after ruling for 20 years. He had ruled already for 20 years and then Allah tested him. And after this test that the Quran mentions, he continued to rule for another 20 years. And after that he ruled for another 20 years. There are other interpretations as well of what the context behind this verse is. I've shared three or four with you. Inshallah, that should suffice.